0: Welcome to Leadership Decoded, a weekly podcast where I explore what good leadership looks like. I'm your host, David McQueen, an executive coach speaker and big time student of all things leadership. My main aim is to keep the podcast long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to create interest. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Leadership Decoded. There was a bit of a firestorm at the time of recording this podcast, as Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer Hansen, the co-founders at Basecamp, had released some statements on their blog where they said they no longer wanted any social or political discussions to happen on their platform at work, because for them, they felt that it was getting out of hand, and to quote them, To Bring all your political advocacy to whatever personal spaces you have, just don't bring them into the internal communication platforms we use for work unless it directly relates to our business. And on face value, that would seem quite fair. An organization who decides that a lot of things are getting quite tense at work and maybe um, avoiding having that kind of conversation altogether is a good thing. And there have been a number of commenters across social media who said they totally agreed with it. You know, individuals should just turn up for work and do the work that they are supposed to do, and there shouldn't be any space for any discussions other than the stuff that relates to business. Curiously, uh, there are a lot of organizations who will have strict policies on this, um, but the reality is we do have water cooler moments. We do have special interest groups in Slack, be that around football. Hey, sports is political, but we can come back to that. Be that around the environment. You know, lots of organisations will really be thinking about sustainability and planting trees and, uh, and and what they can do for fundraising for people who have illnesses. All those things are social and political. Um, but interestingly enough, this statement came out and uh, and it caused a storm, uh, a storm, and rightly so. And why I say rightly so is that the context for this was had it just been said as a singular statement there may not have been that much of an issue but there was a lot of background where there were practices and behaviours that were going on in Basecamp including the infamous uh, list of names of customers who were uh, a source of ridicule and lambasting. Uh, by the employees which had been going on for over a decade and some employees have said look this is a bit uncomfortable I don't think we should be doing this with our customers there was also a diversity and equity committee that was set up just to make sure that the promises that were made last year by the founders that they would be able to follow through and say look let's just make sure that it's equal for everyone and this statement came out and whilst again as I said in isolation it can be taken to be seen something that was really positive what actually happened it kicked up a storm because a number of employees said well listen this is not the full story there are so many things that happened and what it was it seems like the founders or at least one of the founders got their knickers in a bunch because somebody pushed back against them somebody disagreed with the way that they had been approaching something and rather than going down the context or the lane of having civil discourse the baby it would seem was thrown out with the bathwater and Again, whilst it would be really um, um, important for organizations to have a line where they draw on social issues, the truth is, and political issues, the truth is, is rather than throw it out, personally, I believe that there is an opportunity for leaders to be able to go, okay, let's some set some boundaries around what will be the acceptable behavior or what will be the acceptable guidelines that we can have if there are social and political issues being raised. Now, this follows on with another organization, another base company, this time Coinbase, who had released a statement uh, towards the end, I believe, of last year, Coinbase, where they had said, look, you know, we are a mission focused company. And so for us, all we wanna be able to do is just develop software and there will be no place for all the political discussions that have been happening across the board. I think there is an opportunity here That rather than ignoring civil discourse, what organizations like Basecamp and Coinbase could actually do is take this as a, a learning opportunity, a way of being able to say to staff, well, look, we know that you may have had an issue with a problem like this, but what we can do is rather than ignoring that these issues happen, say, how can we actually frame it? Because here's the truth. Even if you take it off of the actual platform, such as Basecamp or what have you, the reality is, is people still have WhatsApp. People will still be on Facebook groups. People can still pass on messages through Slack or other platforms of communication because these things are relevant to them. I give an example of a client of mine who, uh, when I was uh, having a conversation, and I'll give you some more examples actually as I go through. One of the clients I was having, uh, working with last year, we did a bit of an exploratory session And what we found in that in their North America office, based up in Georgia, one of the things that came to the attention of the staff is that one of their senior managers, every single day he drove into work, he was stopped by the police. Didn't matter what it was, whenever he drove from his specific area to another one, he was stopped by the police. And that stuff has started to wear him down to the point where he felt, look, he didn't want to be part of an organization where going into work being black and being pulled over nearly every single day regardless, um, you know, he just didn't want that to be a situation. Uh, he just didn't want it to be something that was a point of contention. But when the opportunity came up for him to speak about it, there were lots of individuals who raised that. And how are they as a community going to come together to say, how do we manage this? How as a big brand as they are, would they be able to talk to law enforcement and just say, look, this is what's actually happening to our employee and we need to be really consciously aware of it because that person coming into work will be tense. The person who you wanna come in and have that kind of productivity, if there's no space to actually have a, a talk about that, that person will burn out, they will wear down. And when we are talking about encouraging people to bring their whole self to work or just even bring their best self to work, whichever phrasing people use, if we are unaware or unconsciously or, or even consciously ignoring the fact that people will have certain issues and we just push them to the side, of course that will affect employee engagement. Of course that will affect the sense when you start to do your um, your um NPS scores for employee engagement, uh, net promoter scores for those, those who don't know what NPS means. But when you're doing those employee engagement surveys and audits, when you start to talk about engagement and belonging and whether or not people can feel that they have a voice then, of course they're going to say, no, they don't. And so for me, it's more about recognizing that in these situations, it's not that everybody needs to come in every single day and talk about all the things that are happening. But you know what? You can give space to individuals and you can create rules and guidelines to things that make sure that that kind of discourse and that kind of conversation is happening. Another client of mine came last year and and approached me because they felt that initially they shouldn't have had to respond to Black Lives Matter. And again, you know, company. You choose what you want to do. But then when they did respond, because they felt they were getting a lot of heat internally, what they started to do was they started to send me emails every time somebody in the U.S. was shot or harmed by a policeman. Should we put a black square up? And I was like, no, have a conversation with your staff as to what um, appropriate positioning they want to take or they want you as an organization to be aware of, because you don't even have to have externally, but what do they want you to be aware of as a staff member that they're actually going through? And the big issue for me has been that there are a number of in, uh, institutions and organizations, both in the public and private sector, who, and I'll say this with my whole chest, were virtue signaling, who thought that they had to go and jump on the bandwagon and make loads of promises about... Representing the black communities that they are based in, that they work, thinking about hiring, um, the leadership development, doing race action plans, doing race progress plans, um, doing having race strategies, all these things, and, and, and please don't get me wrong, I think they are noble. But it's very important that before we even set policies and stuff in place that we have sensible conversations to understand how it impacts all the individuals within the organization and have some discourse around what that looks like. Whether that's around race, whether it's around gender, whether it's around the environment, any of these kind of external or internal um, things that affect your leadership in your organization, I think it's important to have a sense of civil discourse on that. Last Friday, I had an opportunity to go for a walk with one of my clients. I haven't been into central London for the best part of, of, well, since the uh, lockdown in March 2020. I hadn't really gone into London and had a meeting with a client in this manner. And we went for a walk. And part of the walk uh, that we had was just discussing around the strategy that they would have around inclusion. And, you know, part of the journey that they had was that they had some insights as to how the organization was seen internally. And and so how could they develop a strategy that goes forward? And and in that conversation, we picked out a number of things because we weren't just talking about how inclusive it was there, but some of the employees, and, and, and I hope my client though, doesn't mind me saying I don't think anybody will track them down, a brilliant mind. He shared with me that, you know, even within the organization, there were some people who were wondering whether or not the organization was going to take a stand around vaccination. And and some of the staff who were anti-vaxxers just did not want that to happen. And they wanted the, the, the leadership to realize that, you know, had they taken that position on uh, vaccination, that there would be some considerable pushback. And again, for me, the advice that I gave is just to have a real good think about whenever these situations crop up What's the kind of culture that we're trying to promote in the first place? What's the kind of environment that we want those employees to have a sense of being part of so that when something does react, we've actually got systems and processes in place to go, right, this is how we're actually going to move forward. This is the kind of conversation that we have, whether, again, as I said, whether it's around the local environment, whether it's around the, the, the local politic, whether it's around race and gender and over the last few years so many things have really affected the workplace especially here in the uk we've had the the knock-on effects of the me too movement we've had um the brexit we've had black lives matter um uh, stop asian hate we've had a lot of stuff around uh, treatment of lgbt plus we've had the climate a lot of organizations now in the uk are being um consciously aware of their uh, um, the move from CSR, or Corporate Social Responsibility, to ESG, so Environmental and Social. And I can't even remember what the G one stands for. It'll come back to me. But ESG being this policy that a lot of organizations are trying to develop. So there's all these kind of conversations that are going around. And some people are just like, you know what, I'm just come to work to just do my bookkeeping or to just do some sales and to just do some marketing and go home. The reality is, is that even if somebody does have that singular look as to how they want to be able to go and do their job. The truth is is that somebody will be affected by any one of these issues. And that being affected doesn't just drop that that mask or that, not mask, but the the people don't just put on a mask, should I say, when they come into work just to pretend that everything's okay, especially if they're being deeply affected. And if we are leaders of organizations that are really concerned about how not only we engage our customers but how we engage our employees then it's important that we have a framework it's important that as a leader you have a sense of looking through a lens as to how you can support those individuals to do the best job and so what i'd love to do at this point having highlighted and giving you the background behind the a number of situations where there has been a challenge around uh, leading civil discourse or conversations at work let me give you some tips as to how uh, or some coaching as to how you can have civil discourses so one of the first questions i would say to you is, is who do you have within your organization or what do you have in your organization around moderation so if there is a discourse and you have agreement and you have policy where can those conversations take place of course two people going out for lunch and having a conversation there's nothing you can control about that but if something happens in an office and and obviously now that we're working the majority of us are working a lot more remotely if it happens online uh and if something comes up what do we have in terms of moderation how are we able to educate our employees and our managers and leaders to be able to have a sense of moderation whether that's self-moderation or whether we bring another party in to be able to make sure that rather than just locking heads and 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 being angry at each other, we make space for individuals that can moderate those. And sometimes as the conversation gets bigger, it may mean that you might look externally. And I know I end up doing a lot of work in these spaces. I've just recently been asked by a large bank to come in and have a conversation around how they can move forward some of the promises that were made around equity for underrepresented groups from different racial backgrounds. And the scary thing for some of the senior sponsors and leaders who are in this position is that they don't know how to have this conversation and they don't know how to moderate it, and so people like myself and others will get called in as a facilitator to shape and give a sense of moderation to those actual discussions. The second one for me is how good is your intent? Now I know I said this for um, a lot of the speeches I did last year. Make the assumption that everybody is coming with in, with good intent, and even if they're not, set that as the tone. When we're going to have this conversation, we are actually looking to make sure that we do it with really good intent. So rather than assuming that people are coming from a background where they are being uh, assumed around any kind of ism or prejudice, we assume that people are coming with really good intent and making sure that, you know, uh, uh, that being the baseline, no one can make an assumption around where someone's coming from. And even if they do, we can challenge them to say, look, we started this with good intent. It's important that if somebody's going to take on board your point of view, you've got to be able to accept, regardless of the history of the other person, that in this moment that they are coming with good intent. Third one for me is about setting boundaries and expectations. Now, you know, there are uh, individuals I know, if you started to talk about political parties and what have you, they get really warm. They started to talk about certain issues around the environment, they get really wound up. If you start to talk about, um, you know, just, just things that, that, it's like, that affect them as individuals, which somehow or the other will and sometimes will affect the business, but it will affect them as an individual. Set those boundaries and expectations around that conversation. So, for example, I know that there have been individuals, when I started to have a conversation with them around my my choice to go and make vaccination or take a vaccination, they um, questioned my knowledge. They question whether or not I knew stuff and whether I was woke or not, knowing exactly what was happening all behind the scenes. Because obviously, you know, they've got a, a lifetime membership to having understanding of what happens in the Illuminati with speech fingers in the background, so they know much more. And when I hear that kind of conversation, I go, right, do you know what, I'm checking out. Because I'm not going to have a, a conversation using evidence and using logical conversations, where all you're going to do is project nonsense And in in my idea, nonsense. And you're going to go against the principles I have of going, right, what's your evidence? What's the data you bring to it? And how can we have a discussion around this? So I set my boundary there. If it gets to that point, I check out. And I also make sure that I have expectations. And my expectations are, right, we're going to go into this conversation. And what my my expectation is, is I'm going to learn from you. And I want you to learn from me. And when I say learn, not that you will take that information and just be converted to my way of thinking. But understand that this is what I'm coming to the conversation with and we don't have to win. No one has to kind of like knock the other person down and prove a point. But let me hear exactly where exactly is is you're coming from. And I remember having a conversation last year where somebody said to me, well, you know, I can't get into this conversation about race because, you know, I'm white and working class and you're going to tell me all about privilege. And I said, I haven't mentioned that. And I haven't said that at all. And if you feel that the, the term privilege is going to be something negative or is going to be something that triggers you in the conversation, I won't use it. I'll make sure that we talk about other things, but I won't use that. So we set the expectation long before we get into that discourse. Our fourth one is distinguishing between fact and story. And and I remember when I brought up this uh, the conversation of Basecamp on LinkedIn in the week, there were a couple of people who said to me, "Look, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, so how can you comment in?" And I said, "Well, look, I can comment on what I have been told here online uh, and by the breaking report that was." Um, done by Casey Newton on Platform, a really good um, uh, tech uh, newsletter, by the way. But I said, there's also been stirrings of a conversation before. And um, so I said, trust me so that some stuff will come out and it'll be fine. you go and have a look at that when it came come out. So some people on LinkedIn just went straight for me. And then when the evidence came out, I was just like, okay, let me just point you to it. And part of the fact was there were of the 60 people who were working at Basecamp, 22 of them, Who are going to be, um, uh, who have been working there for maybe over five, six, seven years, decided to take the severance pay and bounce out because they said that I can no longer work at this place. This is not the place that I joined. Uh, And given that the authors, sorry, the founders of this, uh, of Basecamp were also known for being able to write um, books and content around a new way of working and around workplace culture and around openness. And this just seemed to contravene or go right into, back into the, Uh, Against all the stuff that they had talked about before in their books and in their content So you understand that people who are brought in to that way of thinking and and, and don't get me wrong I still think as an organization that they have been groundbreaking in the way that they've gone against the typical kind of Silicon Valley way Of just getting loads of venture capital money thrown at you all this kind of um, You know tech Uh, reporting where you've got round after round of founding. These guys have literally built from scratch and, and done it with a remote work team. And I still think it is lauded. But I also think there's space for improvement as with all kinds of leadership, where they could have listened a bit more, where they could have opened up the space for discourse. But you know what, it's their company. They have to do what they feel they can do best. But as an observer from the outside looking in, and as somebody who sits down and does coaching, facilitation and advisory, uh, for me and for any leaders listening to this it really is important to understand the, the difference between fact and story What's the bit that's just being made up to kind of like um, to, to settle or to to um, or to be twisted into a narrative that just makes it look Like what you think it's supposed to be as opposed to what's fact what's the actual data And so when we are in discourse, let's let's make sure we can have the data and look sometimes is going to be biased And I understand that but bring your data not just around your interpretation of it or your story or your narrative, but what's the actual hard facts that you're going to be having when you are doing a discourse? Number five, listen to learn. So don't listen to react. Don't listen with the intention to convert people to your way of thinking, but listen to understand. And sometimes that can be quite difficult, especially if you are writing. Um, and again, you know, even if you are doing. Uh, these kinds of discourse over some kind of teleconference software like Zoom or Team or, you know, Google or whatever it is, uh, you know, just listen. Sometimes listen to the body language, listen to the tone, listen to what they said. And then, and this takes me to point six, if you're not quite sure about what you heard, then ask questions for clarity. Don't make assumptions, but ask questions. And the last one I will say about having a civil discourse is number seven, is to stay on track. Stay on track with the conversation. It's really easy to go sidebar and go off on a tangent. But if we're talking about a specific theme and and if if we're talking about um, women's equality at work, sorry, women's pay equality at work, and you're going off on a tangent talking about abortion laws, you've totally missed the point what you need to do in terms of discourse is stay on point because it's very easy to go and trigger certain emotions in another topic that have got nothing to do with the one that you're talking about and bring in some kind of logical fallacy, some kind of extraneous um, argument outside of the core discussion that we're having, which just riles people up even more. So stay on track. And that, again, goes back to my point I made at the beginning around moderation, making sure you have somebody who's capable of keeping that conversation on track as well. So I gave you some case studies, as I said, including my own clients around some of the challenges we've had around leading civil discourse at work and having these healthy conversations. And, and I've told you how I believe you can have those civil discourses using moderation, good intent, boundaries, facts versus story, listening to learn, asking questions for clarity and staying on track. But I, I think it's important now to be able to talk about the benefits of that discourse. Now, I believe in any organization that healthy friction is good there should be differences of opinion. We should have a sense of radical candle where we can say to each other, look, I don't agree with what you've said or what you've done. And, um, and as a result, because I've taken, uh, uh, although I disagree with you, I can actually listen to what you said. I'm going to take some notes. And a lot of really good product development, a lot of good innovation uh, in organizations happen because you do have healthy friction. You do see it through the lens of someone else. You know, especially when you are working with individuals who are coming from different life experiences or from different demographics, and you are uh, putting out a product or service to a wide, global kind of audience, having individuals who can make you question or think about how someone else will go on that customer journey, or even in terms of internally, when you start to hire more diversity from different groups um, in the organization, a little bit of healthy friction about where you're coming from and how you see the world is good, as long as it's moderated well. But that healthy friction can take you and your culture as a leader to a really good space. Another benefit of discourse is it just helps you to check your worldview. And and very often we can go into spaces and we can be quite stuck and rigid in our worldview and forget that other people um, navigate the world very differently. And that worldview could be around the cultural space you came from, it could be religious, it could be whatever kind of stance you take, which I think it's important when it serves you but when you're working together as a team one of the things you need to realize is that you have to have a sense of shared values and in my last podcast i spoke about doing the right thing sometimes you can be right and or you can believe that you're real right but what in that moment when you're working for the organization is doing the right thing and having your worldview checked and so that alignment with values as well is important because it gives you an opportunity for you to understand, okay, where do people sit on these discussions? Where do they sit on, um, on the kinds of discourse that we're having? And how does that align not only with the corporate values, but with my own personal values? And what are the things that make me think about, well, why do I hold on to these beliefs and these behaviors? Why is that so important to me? And again, for me, the last one here is around just around problem solving and innovation. There are so many times when we can have some real good pieces of discourse and somebody just makes you think, ah, I never really thought about it that way. Or you're sitting in a space and you get this information and it makes you process and it makes you think about how you're going to build something slightly differently um, uh, and approach it in a certain angle because you've had or been part of a really healthy discourse with someone else. So I hope in some ways that this uh, episode has really uh, sparked off something in your mind around how you can have those challenging and difficult conversations and make sure that we go into those spaces knowing what the rules of engagement are, making sure that we don't shut down or cancel people whose voices or opinions differ from ours, but being able to be in a space where we can either go, right, okay, um, because I've set the boundaries and the expectations, if that has been overstepped and we're not getting anywhere, then we can pull back but also recognizing as well, and you know, it might sound really weird me uh, agreeing with uh, one of the comments that the, um, the the founders from Basecamp that I started this conversation with said, uh, but you know what, it, it sometimes it is important to be able to take a step back and really think, you know, whilst I'm having this discussion, and whilst I'm here sitting uh, in, in here, how does this directly relate to my business? or the business I'm working with but at the same time how does it directly relate to me as a person is it stopping me from being productive is it stopping me from engaging is it stopping me from having a sense of belonging so who do I go to or what spaces do we go to to make sure that we do have that sense and having a real sense of balance so for me I think these situations are great opportunities for leaders to really kick back and think about how can I lead civil discourse so we actually benefit not only as an organization not only as teams but as individuals to be able to communicate better thank you for listening welcome any questions and look forward to seeing you in the next episode thank you for listening to this week's episode of leadership until next week stay safe take care